It's Tuesday, April 25th, 2017. I'm Charles Sharetta, and this is Sid. And we are on Chapter 39 of the Tao Te Ching. Last week I read from an anonymous translation, and I'm going to go back to it again today because, um, well, this translation is so much different from most of the standard translations of Chapter 39. Uh, which you can check out on your own uh, if you're curious. But most of those other translations talk a lot about princes, kings, and nobles. And this anonymous translation, which uh, is obviously more recent, although there's not a date on it, doesn't do that. It frames things just in terms of you or I. And so here it is, chapter 39. About the men of old that had reached perfection, we know that they felt one with the whole creation. That they saw the earth not as chaos, but as a unity. That they felt like gods and spiritual beings. That emptiness was no longer empty, but filled. And they saw that the whole creation was inspired. Next to their wholeness, the world returned to its original order. For one who doesn't see clearly, the creation is splintered. For one who places oneself outside nature, the earth is chaos. One who doesn't experience oneself as divine anymore feels powerless. One who does not experience one's perfection anymore feels empty. People who deny their true nature go to rack and ruin. Therefore, they say, humility is the source of truthfulness, smallness the source of grandeur. One who feels elevated over one's fellow men isn't right, is unworthy and small. After all, they climbed up high over other people's backs. Therefore, their richness is poverty and their gold just tinsel. Find that upright, comfortable position for yourself. See if you can use this as a, as a time to straighten up without, um, without forcing yourself to straighten military style. Just, just a natural straightening. I've said it a number of times, but that idea of a string pulling on you at the crown of your head, just allowing you to straighten up without you forcing yourself to straighten. And of course, as you do that, it opens up your chest, exposes your heart a little bit, makes you feel a little bit more raw, more than likely, if you naturally slouch like I do. Let the breath come from your belly naturally again, if you can allow that. What we're doing when we sit like this, when we straighten up and breathe from the belly and expose our chest is we're, we're sort of opening up all those areas in ourselves that contain fears. And we're, we're sort of exposing those fears, letting ourselves be vulnerable with it. And that's challenging. So it's not necessarily um, just a path to relaxation. We shouldn't view this as just some 
act of comfort, I suggest. All right, and with that, let's sit for 10 minutes. So if what I said resonated earlier and you have exposed some vulnerability inside yourself, can you explore that and still keep focused on your breath right now? While also looking into the depths of that vulnerability. Perhaps it's insecurity, anxiety. Maybe it has some historical basis, but for now, why don't you see if you can just be with it in its present form? Just, just feel it in its present form. Maybe as you do that, you uncover something else, which is really something else to be with. It's not a problem, it's just what else is there? Now, are you still here in this moment?
If not, just come back now. another opportunity to truly be here. It's one more chance to fully embody your experience. And now if you've naturally begun to slouch or change your posture, can you notice and, and, and in the course of noticing that, can you identify what it is that your body needs? Why is that slouch there? Can you get curious about that as you allow yourself to come back to straight posture?
Are you present? Are you tired? Are you distracted? Are you bored? What is your experience right now? And then as you're having that experience, can you investigate the nature of that experience while still being fully here? and breathing from your belly. There are a lot of little birds outside my window right now. And I'm not I'm not sure if they'll show up on the recording or not. I can kind of easily push them out of mind. But if I don't, if I pay attention to them, they they're a great reminder. They're a reminder of the natural world that's right outside and they're also I mean it's 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 easy to anthropomorphize what they're doing. It's not even an anthropomorphosis. It's um, it's easy to ascribe some sort of happy feeling to them based on the sound that I'm hearing right now. And maybe that's true and maybe it's not. And that shows how little I know. I'm sure a biologist would be able to tell me the general meaning of their cheeps, their song. But I think even the biologist would have a hard time and would probably be reluctant to tell us what the emotional state of the birds is. And yet, I suspect that if we were very perceptive and if we spent our days living in the natural world in the way that we as humans were designed to do, that we would know. And that we would know without anthropomorphizing it. I'm going to reread chapter 39 all in one shot. So here it is. 
about the men of old that had reached perfection, we know that they felt one with the whole creation. That they saw the earth not as chaos, but as a unity. That they felt like gods and spiritual beings. That emptiness was no longer empty, but filled. And they saw that the whole creation was inspired. Thanks to their wholeness, the world returned to its original order. For one who doesn't see clearly, the creation is splintered. For one who places oneself outside nature, the earth is chaos. One who doesn't experience oneself as divine anymore feels powerless. One who does not experience one's perfection anymore feels empty. People who deny their true nature go to rack and ruin. Therefore, they say, humility is the source of truthfulness, smallness the source of grandeur. One who feels elevated over one's fellow men isn't right, is unworthy and small. After all, they climbed up high over other people's backs. Therefore, their richness is poverty and their gold just tinsel. I want to focus just on four lines of this, which I'll reread now. For one who places oneself outside nature, the earth is chaos. Hmm. To see nature as something that needs to be conquered, where does that desire to conquer nature come from? If someone sees himself as being outside of nature, and nature is the enemy, and it has to be subdued. And yet ultimately that attack is an attack on the self, since we are all part of nature too. You know, there's something about um, environmental activism these days that seems almost quaint to a lot of people. Passe, outdated. You know, I think a lot of people would say, well, we got bigger problems now. We can't worry about that. What about healthcare? Yeah, I mean, if you really go to the center of that, you see how, how fucked up that idea is. Who do we think we are? We are a species of ape. And we came from Africa. Not from a distant planet in another solar system. We are from here. And no matter what we build... No matter what technology we create or how we attempt to insulate ourselves, we are and will always remain a part of nature. And the next line says, one who doesn't experience oneself as divine anymore feels powerless. And the line after that, one who does not experience one's perfection anymore feels empty. When do we lose those experiences of divinity and perfection? When do we stop seeing ourselves as, as divine and perfect? Well, frequently, frequently we lose sight of our perfection and divinity when we're stuck in our brains, sort of adhering to cultural mores, and when we no longer see ourselves as part of nature. 
which frankly is much easier to do when we live in glass and steel buildings all day and stare at screens all day, get our food from a vending machine or a restaurant and have no connection at all to how we are sustained by this living planet. And yet we are sustained by this living planet. Every single inhalation, every in-breath that fills your lungs with oxygen, that then enters your bloodstream and is transported throughout your tissues to keep you alive, moment to moment to moment. Every one of those breaths is evidence of your and my dependence on this living planet. Because the oxygen, after all, comes from other living organisms. It is their exhalations. That fourth line says, people who deny their true nature go to rack and ruin. Yeah, this true nature of divinity and perfection, which, which doesn't mean that we are perfect and divine in isolation. Because, and I'm going to go against what I said earlier and read a couple more lines, Humility is the source of truthfulness, smallness the source of grandeur. So we're perfect and divine, but we're just one piece of a greater puzzle, but puzzle's not the right word, a greater living being. So why is it so hard to remember that? Well, it's glass and steel, glass and steel, and food from vending machines and screens. So we have to slow down in order to recognize it. It's, it's almost compulsory that we take steps like meditate in order to see, in order to feel that we're perfect and yet small. But it's not easy. It's not an easy practice. It's so easy to be pulled away. And we'd like for it to always be comfortable, but it's not. Let's stop there for today. Thank you for sitting with me and have a good day.